Welcome to the Knowing God podcast. The hope of this podcast is that it would help you to know the Word of God so that you may ultimately know God. I'm your host, Andrew Rutten. All right, well, I think we are officially rolling now as a podcast. This is episode five. And so thank you for listening so far. Hopefully these have been helpful to you. We are going to be finishing up Colossians 1 verse 2. So we're five episodes in and we are finally finishing verse 2. So I think we're rolling, uh, but maybe not very fast, but we are getting through it. Hopefully they've been beneficial so far to you. Before we get into it, I do want to thank another person that's been pivotal in helping this podcast get started. I want to thank Reagan Zolik. She is a member here at Providence Church, and she's been doing all of the actual editing for the podcast so far. And so she's been allowing me to basically say a lot of random things and screw up a lot and then editing it all down into a concise, somewhat coherent, hopefully, and helpful episode for you to listen to. So if these episodes have been clear or helpful to you, That's probably in large part due to Reagan and her work on editing. And so uh, she's also just volunteering her time to do this. So Reagan, thank you for doing this. You'll be hearing this first before anybody else as you edit it. And so just want to appreciate all the work and time you're putting into this. It's helping people to engage with God's word and hopefully knowing God more. So um, all the time editing that uh, you're doing is helpful. So Reagan, thank you. Again, listeners, if you know Reagan, shoot her a thank you if you've been enjoying this podcast because in large part that is due to her editing and a lot of that stuff goes uh, unseen and behind the scenes. So Reagan, thank you for doing that. Also listeners, once again, let me just say if this has been helpful to you, uh, would you please just help us out by rating it, reviewing it, sharing it, Anything that you can do would be helpful to us, and we would love to just have a conversation with you about it. So let us know what's been meaningful, what's been helpful. Let us know anything that'd be helpful for us to address or change. We'd love to to hear your input. All right, so let's get into it now. Uh, We are going to be at the end of Colossians 1 verse 2. So let me read the whole verse, and then I'll hone in on where we're going to be today. This is Colossians 1, 2. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Okay, so we are going to be looking at that last little bit of Colossians 1-2. A few episodes ago, we talked about the idea of being a holy family, and then last time we addressed being a faithful presence in the world, in our geographical location, but also in Christ. Now, we're turning our attention to that final phrase where Paul says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Once again, I'm sure even if you're a fairly consistent Bible reader, you rarely spend a ton of time dwelling on these initial verses in a New Testament letter. They're flyover verses. We tend to just get through them so we can get to the meat of the letter. Uh, But there is beauty here to meditate on. And so I want to take this actually in three parts, grace, peace, and God our Father. Paul begins this last phrase with the words, grace to you. In Paul's day, when someone would write a formal letter like this letter is to the Colossians, it's common that in this original language, Greek, and in that time period, they would use a word that we would translate as greetings. It would be similar to when you say hello or hey in a text or email to begin the the message. What's interesting is that the Greek word for greetings and the Greek word for grace is almost identical. So him saying grace to you to start 
is no mistake or coincidence. While most letters were simply saying hello as a way to start their correspondence, Paul in this time period says grace is the starting point. In preparation for this, I was thinking about the idea of grace and why that is such good news. Now, obviously at a main level, grace is good news for us because it's that God has grace with us and for us through our relationship in Jesus Christ. Like because of what Jesus has done, we now have a relationship with God and that is grace and that is good news. But why that is so experientially great today Because I think our culture struggles to grasp, extend, or live out of a place of grace. I mean, it's common to talk about cancel culture that we live in today. And I know that's a bit of a buzzword, but but just take the simple idea that if you say something wrong or do something wrong or make a mistake against one of our culture's core values, that's it for you. Like There is very little grace or forgiveness in our day. In fact, we've seen people get condemned for a tweet or an email that they may be sent years prior, but if it comes up today, you need to be judged and condemned for it. We are losing the categories of grace and forgiveness. Yet the beauty of Christianity is that grace and forgiveness is at the core of what we believe, of what Jesus has done for us, and therefore it is at the core of who we are as a people. So it shouldn't surprise us that Paul starts his letter by saying grace to you. So take a moment and consider this question. Do you routinely dwell on the fact that you have been given grace? When you wake up in the morning, when you make a mistake at work, when you say something dumb to a friend that you shouldn't have, when you succumb once again to that addiction, when your perfectionism is is driving you crazy as, as things are just left undone in your life, do you live in a deep acknowledgement of grace. If you are a Christian, Paul is saying grace to you. Would you take a moment right now and just consider or realize that you have been given grace in life through the work of Jesus for you? You can lay aside your perfection, your achievement, your desire to have it all together. You are a human being who makes mistakes. And praise be to Christ that he gives grace. Would you acknowledge that today? And maybe one extra quick question here. If grace has been given to you, are you a person of grace? Meaning not just do you acknowledge grace has been given to you, but has that translated into being a gracious person filled with grace, overflowing in grace? Would people around you think there is a gentle graciousness that is felt around you? Friends, grace to you. Acknowledge and enjoy grace that has been given to you, and would you extend that to those around you? But Paul continues by adding the word peace. In Jewish thought, the idea of peace, or the word is shalom in Hebrew, is not simply a lack of anxiety or a clear conscience, although it definitely includes those things. No, it's really an idea of complete harmony rest, wholeness. Shalom is a complete, settled harmony in your life. Once again, consider our current cultural moment. Is there anything that sounds better than a complete, settled harmony in life? (laughs) Or to flip that, is there anything more countercultural today than that? 
Paul is encouraging the holy family in Christ in Colossae that because they are in Christ, they have not only been given grace in their life, but they've been given a wholeness, a shalom, a peace. And in some sense, I believe that peace comes from a robust recognition of grace. Without grace, your life is spent trying to measure up, fill up your life, be the right person. But under grace, your life is marked not by your deeds, but by the work of Christ on your behalf. I no longer have to measure up to a standard. I get to acknowledge Christ's work on my behalf. I no longer have to strive to control my life. My life is hidden in Christ's work on my behalf. I no longer have to worry about the future. My future is secured in Christ's work on my behalf. I no longer have to stress about not letting people down. My validation is firmly in the life of Christ on my behalf. It is grace that produces a life of shalom, a life of harmony. Consider today, if you can acknowledge being a recipient of grace, how does that need to transform your life into a life of peace? Or it might be helpful to ask it like this, where in your life does there seem to be a lack of harmony or peace? And is it possible there is a lack of grace at the core of that situation? Now, I'm not saying it always has to be that, but I am saying it is often that. Notice, if you have a lot of anxiety over your future, might it be that you are believing you have to make all the right decisions or form your life in a certain way, and really there's a lack of understanding of the grace of God to you and his presence with you? Again, it doesn't always have to be this, but just notice if the grace of God is maybe not connecting somewhere close to that area where you feel a lack of shalom. So let me close with this. These ideas of grace and peace, they aren't vague concepts. They are gifts, Paul says, from God our Father. He directly ties the grace we've received in Christ to coming from the Father. It is the Father, after all, who so loved the world that he sent his Son to come die in order that you might live. It is grace that in Christ you have been adopted into the Holy Family, And this family has a good heavenly father. And peace doesn't come merely from a change of your external circumstances. You getting on a new work project or a new boss or answers for health problems or some marriage counseling or out of a stressful situation. All of that may help your anxiety and may be good things, but ultimately deep shalom only comes from the father. Because that shalom comes from a soul-level reconciliation with him. And that peace comes by the grace of the Father through our trust in the Son. Take a moment today and consider both the grace in your life and how that should translate into a life of shalom. Friends, may God bless you and keep you. May he give you favor, grace, and peace.